So Nick, when I met you, you were engaged in 2007. You got engaged the year before? Yeah, in 2006, we got engaged. And you had a pretty good story about your engagement, your proposal? Well, I, <laughs> I think so. Uh, so we were on, my wife Marissa, who now my, my now wife, we were on a trip down to Mexico. We were going to Puerto Vallarta. It was our first uh, like tropical trip. It was our first like real vacation together that was cost money and, you know, we flew somewhere. And so we had a layover at the Houston airport and it was a kind of a red eye. So we got there in the morning and I ate a breakfast stromboli. <laughs> we got, which I mean was, you know, egg, eggs and all that. So we get to Mexico. My stomach's not feeling too hot. And I start vomiting and diarrheaing at the same time. And I do that for two days. And I'm like the first person in the history of Mexican vacations to get food poisoning before I arrive in Mexico. On your layover. On my layover. So I and I, I'm just losing it. And Marissa, my wife, we had traveled a couple of times together. Like when I visited her in England when she was a student, that wasn't a real vacation because, you know, I was visiting her. Yeah, I was not before that. I didn't grow up traveling, so I wasn't a great traveler. So she thought, oh, he's just being, you know, he's got a nervous stomach. He's just being he's he's exaggerating. He's just feeling anxious, whatever it is. She was like actually getting mad at me, giving me a hard time. And I'm like, hold that thought. And so after two days goes by, she realized, OK, I really am very sick. And she's like eating dinner by herself at the hotel restaurant. It's like that Eddie Murray, or Eddie Murphy joke, like, oh, it's a pretty lady by herself. Yes, totally. Uh, so I had a little ring in my pocket and I didn't want to pick out an engagement ring with a diamond because I knew that I was going to pick the wrong thing. You know, she likes what she likes. So I bought a little butterfly ring as a placeholder. And this is the first time in two days I haven't been puking and I'm, we're staying on the balcony. I pull it out and I'm like, so will you marry me? Like it was not romantic because I was sick. And what I should have done is waited two days and then done it, you know, fancy. She's like, yes. And so, you know, that was my engagement story. Just vomit and diarrhea in Mexico. She still said yes after two days of you just shitting your brains out. Love is love. Love is love. So I got married in 2006, but we got engaged in 2004. And my story, it's going to take too long. I'll try and get through this because it was just one bad thing after the other. We're living in Boston at the time. We're in Cambridge Taking the tea from Harvard Square to Logan Airport Christmas week is not a good idea. And I grew up in Massachusetts. I should have known this, but I didn't want to pay for a cab. So we're going to St. Kitts. We're meeting Bill's entire family. There's going to be 18 of us there. His parents are taking everyone to St. Kitts. I had no idea I was getting engaged, but awesome vacation. So pumped up. Still too cheap to buy you know, cab fare. So I'm like, we're going to take the tea. We'll, we'll, he's like, we're going to miss the flight. We're going to miss the flight. It's Christmas. We get there. The line's going out the front of the airport, two blocks down. The lady's like, there's no way you're going to make this flight. So we get to the counter. We missed the flight already. There's no flights going to St. Kitts for all of Christmas week. So Bill's just looking at me. Usually he's a pretty chill dude, but I could tell he was like, sort of just like, oh my God, all my plans are falling through right now. And I said, I promise you, I'm going to get us there. So I booked us on a flight to Miami. Then I booked us on another flight to uh, Puerto Rico, got us a hotel in Puerto Rico, get to Puerto Rico, get in a cab to get to the hotel, got T-boned really badly, car crash, grab our bags, just start walking away because all these guys with guns come out. It was a very weird situation. 
So we just went to the hotel, got ringworm in the hotel. So weird. Next day, get up, take a plane. We had another stop on the way to Nevis. Get to Nevis, which is an island near St. Kitts. Take a boat to St. Kitts. Wow. We got there. We got there before Christmas. It took a couple of extra days and I had to pay for the difference in all of that. You know, those flights and the cabs in the hotel. But I felt bad because I was like causing him to miss his family vacation. Anyway, we're having a nice vacation and his mom gives us uh, gift certificates in our Christmas stockings to the spa. So I went to the spa and I was like, well, I'm Greek and I want to go swimming. So I'm getting waxed. It was such a bad experience. Halfway through the lady in the spa who's clearly never worked on a monkey before <laughs> said something is wrong with you. I can't finish. And I was like, what do you mean you can't finish? She's like, I can't finish. She uh, left the strips of wax on my body and she said, go into the shower and let it melt off. So I'm, I mean, this is a horrible experience. And then she tells me I can't get in the ocean for a couple of days. I'm like, I'm at St. Kitts. I'm in St. Kitts, uh -huh. right? At the ocean. So I take care of myself, get down to the beach. We're supposed to be snorkeling. I don't want to go snorkeling. I'm feeling, um, how do I describe this? I mean, I've already gone to MI, TMI, but <laughs> it, was, it was a burning pain. I'll just give you that. Bill is insistent on going snorkeling. So I'm like, fine, I'll go to the fucking ocean. We'll go snorkeling. We're out there snorkeling. I don't, I'm not a huge swimmer. I don't like snorkeling when the water's not perfectly flat. I feel like super claustrophobic with the mask on. He's like, let's go down. Let's go down. There's fish. I'm like, there's no fish down there. He's like, there's something down there. There's something down there. And it was, and if something stuck in the sand, I go down there. I'm like, it's a, and I, I come up and I take my mask off. I'm like, it's like trash. It's like a Dorito bag in the ocean. He's like, no, go get it for sake. So I go down and I pull it out and it's like a little surfer pouch with a ring in it. Oh, wow. And I opened it and he proposed and I was like so surprised and embarrassed by how disgusting the situation was. I think like I had snot coming out of my <laughs> nose. It was just a mess. And his whole family is like clapping on the side of the ocean. My crotch is on fire. <laughs> I'm happy, but I'm also so embarrassed and I'm in so much pain. And that's my engagement story. I said yes. <laughs> the tagline for this podcast episode is my crotch is on fire that's hilarious welcome to film swap the podcast where we challenge each other to watch the movies that we've let slip through the cracks or purposely shoved into the cracks for whatever reasons i'm angelica thornton and i'm nick bull and today we are talking about legally blonde mgm pictures presents you have a resume it's pink. And it's Senate. I think it gives it a little something extra. A comedy about knowing who you are. You think she just woke up one morning and said, I think I'll go to law school today. And showing what you've got. We're defending Brooke Window. You can buy her exercise tapes on infomercials. Wait! Exercise gives you endorphins. Endorphins make you happy. Happy people just don't shoot their husbands. You're fired. What? I have new representation. Reese Witherspoon. Do you remember when we spent those four amazing hours in the hot tub after winter formal? Legally Blonde. Okay, Legally Blonde was made in 2001, starring Reese Witherspoon as Elle Woods, uh, the college student who has it all. Uh, she wants nothing more than to be Mrs. Warner Huntington III, but there is one thing stopping him from proposing. She's too blonde. 
So Elle rallies all of her resources uh, and gets into Harvard Law School determined to win him back. So if you liked Clueless in 1995, I feel like you probably would like Legally Blonde. Uh, same type of bimbo with a brain heroin story. Mm -hmm. Why hadn't you seen this before? Or you, maybe you had seen it, you said, but you didn't really remember it. I had seen some clips on Comedy Central. I, I would not have, be able to say I had seen it from start to finish at any point. So I hadn't seen it because honestly, I thought it was going to be what the stereotype of it is. I thought it was going to be a really, really stupid movie. And I thought that it just didn't appeal to me as a 20 something dude to see a ditzy lady be ditzy. Yeah, I can see that. Even just the movie poster. Mm -hmm. And they really play up in the marketing and the poster and all that. They play up the expectations that you have, which they then work to, you know, defy in the movie. So what'd you think? I liked it. I, I thought it was a really fun little movie. Uh, I was surprised. I didn't remember how far it went to show that, you know, she wasn't dumb and that she could get things done and that expectations aren't always what we aren't always accurate. Yeah. So, yeah I, a fun I, time. It's, it's definitely a rewatchable movie. It's definitely like a late night, Friday night kind of movie. Yeah, I agree. It's one of those like you just, oh, yeah, the lines pop up and, you know, you can watch 20 minutes at a time and it's silly and it's fun. I think that's a perfect way to describe it. Implausible, obviously, but a really fun movie. Sure. Uh, charming movie, I think. Fun people are all dumb. Yeah. I mean, it's been called a feminist classic, right? She defies the uh, dumb blonde trope. And while doing that, she becomes this iconic movie character uh, that I think is impossible not to love. For sure. but I, And I think a big part of the reason that she is lovable is because it's Reese Witherspoon. I think that you know, I read some list of other people they considered or whatever, and I don't think that the movie would have been nearly as successful if anyone else had been playing that character because she is so inherently likable. Mm -hmm. Like, there's this thing where movie stars are movie stars and actors are actors, you know, and there's not a lot of people that can do both, and she is one of those, I think. She has the draw, the magnetism of a movie star, but she can actually act. So it's not just about looking the part. She can actually make you root for Elle Woods. Because she is likable and she plays it well. Yeah, I was going to say uh, something really similar. Like, no matter how much you want to roll your eyes at at Elwood's look, um, her life in the sorority house, her upper class background, it's really hard not to root from her, for her from the start of the movie. I think what worked in this film, what made this film is Reese Witherspoon. Um, the supporting cast is really good, mm -hmm. but I think she just carried the whole movie. Absolutely. And I know she had done Election and Man in the Moon before this, but this was the first time where we saw that quick wit, her comedy chops, and mm. she's really incredible. She absolutely is. Although I would say that Election, like this is almost a continuation of uh, of Election because Tracy Flick in Election is kind of that same way. Yeah. You know, she's a little more driven on the surface. Yeah. Elwood's is just it, kinder, yeah. I guess. Yes, much kinder. I mean, Tracy Flick is a bad person in Election and, and Elle Woods in, in this movie is is not. She's a very much a good person. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons she's so likable is because she is not selfish and she's got the heart of gold and all that. Yeah, I just every time I watch this movie, I'm reminded about uh, Reese Witherspoon's just great timing. Mm. I mean, she just has 
of all the actresses, A-list actresses in Hollywood. She's at the top of the list, in my opinion. Um, she's just the real deal. I also really like the message of the whole movie that you can still be perceived as smart and strong while you're embracing uh, femininity. You can wear pink and you can wear high heels and you can have the blonde hair and you can still kick ass. It's okay. You don't have to have masculine qualities. You don't have to dress more like a man. You can do either. And I've experienced this a tiny bit in my career. When I started out in my career, I remember journalism professors in the mid early nineties telling us we needed like to dress like lawyers, like dark suits. I mean, we were told navy suits, black suits, cut your hair, have a bob, look more like Vivian in the movie. That's what they wanted us to do. Mm -hmm. um, no sexiness, no edge, no style. Don't act feminine, don't act girly. And boy, things have changed. Now you turn on cable news and they all look like they're going to cocktail parties. So we've swung really far in the other direction. But I always had this insecurity that if my hair looked too good or my makeup was too much, that people would think I was stupid, that I wasn't a serious journalist. So I love watching her walk into the courtroom at the end, dressed exactly how she wants to dress. Mm -hmm. I still feel that insecurity. If I'm wearing work clothes and I have to go to the grocery store, I feel a little judged sometimes, which is really crazy. For Wearing. In Portland in particular, like, oh, why is that woman wearing a dress or a suit? She must be an idiot because she's wearing high heels. Mm, that's interesting. I mean, yeah. obviously, I don't experience this. So um, have, have you had news directors tell you, you know, give you that sort of advice, like you need to do this or that? Not really. I, I, I haven't experienced that much. Um, when I was a lot younger, like when I was actually young, not a lot younger, Um. I had a couple news directors telling me that I looked really young mm -hmm. and I did. I looked like I was still in college. So like maybe if you try your hair, but I never, I never had the kind of news director who really interfered with the way I dress. I mean, I, I'm not like super stylish person, so I'm not pushing the envelope with what I wear on the air and stuff. So it really hasn't been a problem for me. Um, but I've never, I've never run into that issue. No. That's good. I mean, I have heard other, you know, reporters or on-air personalities having that where people- Women. Wi always yeah. women, of course. Always women. Yeah, never men. Right. Um, Cut your hair or let your hair grow out or, you know, don't wear that blouse. And I mean, it happens a lot. It does happen a lot. I just haven't had to deal with it that much. Yeah, that's lucky. Um, there are no, I mean, there aren't a lot of preconceived notions that I have to fight against on a day-to-day -day basis other than the occasional- guy who thinks that because i'm a white guy i'm going to laugh at their like racist misogynist whatever yeah that's true you do get that occasionally um, but just yeah, like you I, would I, just like in the in the opening of this film you're like oh god sorority girls and you have you just you just know what you're gonna get although the this film didn't go there they weren't mean girls mm -hmm. they were very much into their sorority but they weren't like the mean girls club um but you have these preconceived notions and i think sorority girl and news anchor are not that far apart as far as like what people think of you as far as your intelligence and i've i've been at cocktail parties where i've like avoided the topic of what do you do and my husband will just say just tell them what you do and i'm like i'm a news anchor sometimes people are cool sometimes they just give you the automatic i don't watch the news the yeah. news is da -da -da. And i'm like well good for you yeah <laughs> which is like a crappy thing to say to somebody yeah yeah oh yeah. you're a dentist i don't brush my teeth what i say 
No. So I love the message, right? I love the message of this movie. I also loved, like, just like in the sorority scenes and stuff, that she's kind through the whole film. I think it's a great message for girls. Um, you know, no mean girls here. Women supporting other women. I mean, it's a cliche, but that you know that's what's happening. And Elle is their queen, and she's a nice person. And in that way, it doesn't really fall into that typical Hollywood script. Mm -hmm. I read that Reese Witherspoon in preparation for this role actually spent some time with sorority girls and she had some ideas of what it was going to be like and was a little surprised and how much they were really all about supporting other women. They were really tight with their friends and that really informed her performance to not go for anything cheap or mean, to never hint that there's any cattiness underneath it's, that they're, they're about being friends to one another. And I do think this idea that the whole movie is about essentially women coming together too, because, you know, throughout the film, her Vivian, her arch enemy at the beginning of the show becomes her best friend by the end. And that I don't think you see that in a lot of movies because Vivian, the villain could have been her ending of that movie could have been, she just goes away. You know what I mean? Oh, we've defeated her. She's a bitch and she's gone. But that's I think not... that's what we all expected. I love the fact that they ended up best friends. And even even like in the graduation speech at the end, they cut to the lady who was the lesbian who was dismissing her for being stupid. It was cheering for her. And obviously they imply that they're friends now and that everyone has overcome this pre preconceived notion of who Elle Woods is. And then it was, it was neat, I think. I, I, I think it was a little touch and it, it isn't deep as far as, you know, this message or this movie isn't trying for anything crazy deep or but it is subverting your expectations in small ways throughout. And and having this these little connections at the end, they don't have to do that. It could just be the crowd cheering, but they intentionally cut to her new friends to show that, you know, it doesn't yeah. have to be like this. Like she said, have a little faith in people. Um, it's funny that she did. I, you know, in my head, I just would have expected Reese Witherspoon to have been in a sorority, but I guess she went to Stanford and left early, but she's from the South. She's from Nashville. So I just assumed she would have been a sorority, a sorority girl, but uh, there you go. I mean, I'm making assumptions about blonde Reese Witherspoon from Nashville, Tennessee was, were you in Greek life? You weren't, I would never expect you to be in a fraternity. I don't know why I just probably because it doesn't seem like cool. something you do. Yeah. No, I just cool. feel like you wouldn't really be into that. No, I was not. So I, I went to my first college I went to was Concordia in Portland. I played baseball and I was on the like I say, on the baseball team and there was initiation and hazing and stuff. And I really did not enjoy that. I just the whole thing felt mean and stupid. Yeah. And then I wasn't great at school. So I ended up dropping out and going back to school later at Oregon. And by then I was 23. I just was not interested in that. Yeah. Either. And but, the whole well, thing seemed life's really huge at Oregon, right? I mean, there's a lot of it. I, yeah. I don't. I never really got involved in it at all. So I, I don't know. I was an older student, so I just wasn't doing what all the other yeah. students were doing. Yeah. I'm fascinated by scenes of Greek life in movies because I went to a school in a city and it's, uh, I don't want to call it an art school. I mean, it's kind of an art school. It's a communication school, more like a, a, you know, a city school like NYU, Emerson College. And they did have some fraternities and sororities, but they were very small. And I actually uh, ended up getting recruited to start a new sorority mm. when I was there. And it was under the premise of like, we're not going to be like the other sororities where there was a lot of hazing and mean girl behavior. This was going to be like philanthropy and blah, blah, blah. And after a couple of years, I quit um, because it ends up being the same thing where it's, you know, 
pulls you away from your other friends that you make organically, pressures you to do things you're not comfortable doing. I'm not knocking this sorority or anything, but it just wasn't for me. But when I see in movies, these colleges where it's everything, and when you're not in Greek life, it's like, what's wrong with you? I'm just, I can't even imagine that world. No, yeah, me either. And I think it does have a tendency in my very limited experience to lead people to their worst impulses, you know, the the way people behave in crowds versus the way they behave one on one. And it just allows for, you know, alpha male in fraternities b- bullshit where it's, you know, bowing down to the seniors and all this stuff. Yeah. It just sets these people up for I mean, it can set these people up for just continuing that behavior in adult life and it's not productive and helpful. Yeah. And I think when you're 18, I think when you're 18, it's good to develop those friendships in a more natural way um, rather than, you know, hazing and crying together and Mm. suffering together. And that's your bond. I mean, I'm not saying these people don't have real friendships and real bonds because I think a lot of them do, but I think you got to have a good mix of like, yeah, these are the friends I met in my dorm when I was a freshman and, you know, we stuck together and they've been my friends for 30 years. And I always regretted sort of like drifting away from my other friends to do this, but I went back, you know, and I quit. So, and I never even lived in a dorm. So, you know, at Concordia, I I lived in town. So my parents wanted me to save money and I was on a scholarship, but it didn't cover housing, just covered my you know school and stuff. So I would commute every day which is part of the reason I got bad grades because it's like 45 minute drive each way. And so like if I had an 8 a.m. class, like good luck. I'm not going to be at that one. Um, So I wish I had lived in a dorm. Um, Yeah, I think it's a good experience. I'm glad a lot of colleges require freshmen to live in the dorms because I think you really miss out on a lot when you're detached from the just sitting in the hallway at one o'clock in the morning trying to study, but you're just shooting the shit instead and you make great friends that way. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, my wife did live in the dorm briefly and she, you know, she's got at least, she has one friend left from the dorms and she was older too. At that point, she had already done two years of school, but she did it because very smartly she did it to, you know, make friends. I like, I didn't make friends in college at Oregon until my last couple of semesters. I was at the radio station. This is a whole other tangent. We don't need to go down, but yeah, absolutely. I I do think that the one good thing about the fraternities and sororities is is the forced socialization. But again, I think you do get that if you stay in campus housing. Yeah. And you're also going to be a more varied cast of characters when you're living among the general public, as opposed to, you know, because it's not like there's a ton of diversity in a lot of these fraternities. Yeah. And which you saw in, uh, I I don't remember which sorority was in Elwood's sorority. Mm -hmm. Um, What did you think of the plot? So girl gets dumped, plots to get her man back by getting into Harvard Law School um, just to try and hook him again, discovers her true worth while she's doing that um, kind of finds a new mission. Elwood's just kind of just, she decided, okay, that's not, that's not what I'm here for anymore. I'm going to succeed in this male dominated field of law. What'd you think of the plot? I mean, a lot of it was kind of like, obviously that's not, she's not, she's probably not going to get into Harvard law with Mm -hmm. that video. (laughs) It was like, it was more a like a audition video for the bachelorette. But what did you think? Well, I mean, I think that obviously the plot has a lot of promise as a co- comedic plot. I mean, yeah. fish out of water. And I, I do think it was effective in showing her own growth as a person because she goes to Harvard to get her man back, which is such a stereotypical, you know, thing. 
uh, and then discovers, like you said, her true purpose. So I, I thought it was clever. Again, it kind of subverts a little bit what you think is going to happen potentially. Um, so yeah, I, I like. It's like you remember that it's show so Felicity. Ridiculous. Do you remember that? Did you ever see the show Felicity with Carrie Russell? I know of it. I've never watched it. So she goes to college. I think it's like an NYU to get this guy that she went to high school with, who she had a crush on because she wants to end up with him. And and it's sort of the same thing. She realizes when she's there, that's that's really not what she wants anymore. But she just kind of floats around aimlessly. Um, I love the 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 parts of Legally Blonde where she was doing the the I think it was an internship, the law internship, which mm -hmm. I think normally that role would be like a third year law student. Um, well, but for the should... movie's sake, they're doing it first year. Let's but... get back to the plausibility of the legal aspects later, I think. Uh, yeah. Well, I just think that was great. I think all her interactions during that um, experience were awesome. Mm -hmm. um, I, I always thought the show Felicity was a show about a haircut. Is that what? Carrie Russell's haircut. Never mind. She was very famous. That haircut. And she grows it out the second year, and everyone's pissed. I'm like, that's oh, what the that's show's right. About. She cuts her hair. Yeah. Or oh, I didn't even remember that. Other. I never I didn't remember that. Anyways, yes, that was a that was an interesting part of it, um, of the movie. But uh, as a with a lawyer as a wife, we were just going. There's no way. So like, this is the oh, biggest, right. most expensive. We're, we're both married to lawyers, and so they're gonna <laughs> pick apart. Everything. This is like the biggest, most expensive law firm in town. We have the biggest case of the century. The What we need are three 1Ls to come in. We're not going to put our team of lawyers that cost $1,000 an hour and charge the client. No, we're going to bring in the 1Ls and really assist one other lawyer. And I'm going to I'm gonna zero in on this one student who had a really good answer in class. Yeah. Well, but we know why he picked her later when he sexually harasses her. Right. And she did have the resume, uh, the pink resume that had a nice smell to it. Yeah. So not plausible, obviously. But um, I I like the way that they pushed her storyline along. Oh, for sure. Yeah. The movie just zips along. I would say the only I, I get the necessity of it, but the, the place where it really bogs down for me is the hair salon or the nail salon. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Uh, are you talking about the friendship, that relationship with Jennifer Coolidge or just how like out of left field it was? Yeah, I, it just feels like it feels like another another movie almost. I guess I don't understand the larger point they made by having her befriend befriend Jennifer Coolidge's character. Is it to demonstrate that she's not a snob or that she's an open hearted person? I, I think I just both. Yeah. Both also like women supporting women. Um, I think that I think they were trying to do all of that, but I definitely felt it was disconnected. Even the bend and snap, which is like, you know, this iconic thing from the movie. While I found it entertaining, that whole scene was odd to me. The whole I was going to talk about that. It a dance, bizarre dance. So, and you know, there's a there's a legally blonde musical out. And that makes perfect sense in a musical. The whole routine, the bending, everyone's, oh, let's all do it. We're all customers here. Let's all bend and snap. Mm -hmm. It just felt so weird. There was no other element of like sort of abject fantasy in the movie, which that clearly was that there's no way that happens in real life. And there are other parts of the movie are at least somewhat grounded in reality. It just felt very odd to me. 
Yeah, and I love Jennifer Coolidge, but I'm I didn't love her character and how like meek and scared they made this person and like mm. you know the three stooges she like bumps into him and breaks his nose because she has a crush on the UPS guy. I didn't think any of that worked. Yeah. And I it, it could be because one of the things this movie doesn't do, I mean, she's an upper middle class white woman who doesn't have to scrape by ever which makes it e easier to even apply for law school, right? She has time to study for the LSATs, which most people would be working. They'd be struggling through that. And, and um, as they said in the movie, she hired a Coppola to make that video for her. Exactly. So she's sp a spoiled rich girl from Bel Air. So maybe that was their way of saying, yeah, but she can fit in in this blue collar nail salon that didn't look like it was anywhere near Harvard. It was just, you know, some random nail salon in Boston where everyone's, you know, working class. And so she she's she's with the people. Elle Woods is with the people. But, you know, I get it. The movie the movie cannot check off every box. Mm -hmm. So she is a privileged white woman. But that's that, you know, you can't do it all. It seems like you could have achieved that, though, by having her befriend someone at school like she sort of did with the nerdy guy. Yeah. Even just the nerdy guy by himself. That alone shows that she's a good person, you know, that she helps him pick up chicks or whatever yeah i agree there was some um sharp writing i loved so many of the lines and every time i watch it i'm like oh that was great um <laughs> the best one is this this is something that i loved in the nail salon um <laughs> she picks up the magazine and she says this is what i need to become serious and and the woman next to her is like what practically deformed Oh, yeah. No, yeah. No, a, a law student. Line. That's such a funny line. Yeah. That poor woman. And that I was wondering, how do you cast that? You're like, okay, so you don't have a line. It's just a picture of you. And we remark how ugly you are. Do you I, want to be in the movie? I had the same thought. And there's so many characters in Seinfeld and in Curb Your Enthusiasm. We're clearly at the casting call. They're saying, your character is going to be perceived as very unattractive. Like the whole plot of this one episode is that this woman is real ugly and they probably still had tons of people arms up going, I'll play the ugly lady. Yeah. Um, so yeah, horrible for the chick in the engagement photo, but funny, funny, funny. Um, Don't stomp your little last season Prada shoes at me, honey, was another great line from this movie. I think one of the best lines in the whole movie, and I think, you talked about zingers it's the best zinger of the whole movie it's kind of the, the gist of the whole movie is when uh what's his name the, the warner 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 caesar and he's like you got into harvard and she says oh yeah was it hard is it hard that's perfect that's a great that's such a great fu line it is such a good and it's like really kind of underscores l woods mm-hmm right she's just she's great um I love the development of her character and those lines help kind of push it along. Um, she changes. You can see like from the beginning of the movie until the last scene where she's, she's doing, I think it's this, you know, the, what is it? The student address at Harvard law school graduation. Mm -hmm. So the movie starts and she's in the sorority house and she's got these big bouncy blonde curls and she's just effervescent. Everything's pink. Then she's in her cap and gown in the last scene and she's doing this student graduation speech and she's got like more refined, straight, longer hair. She's more serious looking, but she's still the same person. Mm -hmm. And I love how they 
just transitioned to that Elle Woods. I thought it was great. Um, well, that was she, a wig. You know, she stays true to who she is no matter what. She knows who she is. She knows what she likes. She doesn't um, bend to make other people happy. I loved when she made her entrance onto the campus with her dog. And I think someone yelled out the window, hey, look, it's Malibu Barbie. And she just kept walking. And she was like, I'm here. This is who I am. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, too, that kind of underscores a point that is sometimes forgotten in life, which is that even though, you know, you're an adult, technically, you're not really an adult, a real adult until you're like at least, what, 25 ish, probably around the age she would have been graduating law school. Just how much wiggle room there is. You're still kind of developing as a human being, even though you can go die in a war. You're still not a your brain's still developing. You're not who you are yet um, completely. So, yeah. That kind of tracks to me. Yeah, I love how resilient she is. She's just she's such a great character. Um, it got it it got corny at at points. Obviously, it, that's the movie. Um, like the graduation speech where she's saying you must always have faith in people. Most importantly, you must always have faith in yourself. I was like, oh, they could have done a better job with that. Like, it doesn't have to be such a cliche. But mm-hmm. there were very few points in the movie where I was like cringing or annoyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that. Um, I I think, and I mentioned this earlier. It, I I think that the message of the movie, you know, the theme, they're not that deep ultimately, but they are still positive and important to talk about. And so, I guess I don't know if I need her to say something super profound there. I mean, it is a graduation speech after all. How, how many times have you heard one of those where you're like, "Wow, that was different." Yeah, but I would expect the Harvard Law School graduation speech to be a, just a tad more sophisticated than that. Well, why? They're just still human beings. You're right. You know? You're right. And the they only- get the same celebrities to come to Harvard and give them the same speeches as they do everywhere else in the country. Um, and like Marissa probably tells you this and Bill probably tells me this, there are a lot of morons in law school who become lawyers. I have heard some stories. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, let's talk about the director, Robert Luketic. So this was his first feature film. And I guess Reese Witherspoon was definitely his first choice, but she had to audition multiple times for the producers. Mm-hmm. And um, you talked about this a little earlier. They were considering other actresses, Charlize Theron, Gwyneth Paltrow, Alicia Silverstone. I don't know how they could have done that after yeah, um, Clueless, after though. That wouldn't have worked. Uh, Catherine Heigl. And Christina Applegate, who turned it down. Mm-hmm. And she's the only one on that list that I think would have really, maybe Charlize Theron, but would have really nailed it. Yeah. So she says she was she was just wrapping up um, Married with Children and she was scared of the role. She didn't want to get um, pegged as the blonde bimbo because sure. she probably didn't know, you know, a lot about, you know, the actual um, story. But um, so she turned it down. And Luketic said he knew right away that from page five of the script that Reese Witherspoon would be perfect, that she would have the gravitas and the brains. There was also a rumor that Britney Spears was considered. I saw that and that they talked themselves out of it after she hosted Saturday Night Live yeah. and it was awful. Could you imagine? I mean, I want to say that this movie wouldn't have even, they wouldn't have even finished production. I mean, I don't know where Britney Spears was at that point in her life, but I think she was starting to spiral already. Yeah. And do you know when her movie came out? She did like Crossroads, I think it was called. She starred in a movie. Yeah. It was very bad. I guess I forgot that happened. 
Yeah. Um, she's not because ultimately, and this is, I don't mean this to denigrate Britney Spears, but she doesn't have the intelligence, I think, to pull the role off because ultimately Del Woods is a smart person. She's just sort of uh, has an affectation, but she's ultimately an intelligent analytical right. person. Now, and I think Reese Witherspoon that, happens to be one of the best actresses of our time. So. And a really smart person. And so yeah. like the wheels are spinning behind the eyes. You can see that. And you don't see that with shark eyes spears. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, Luketic uh, explained that when the, the studio first greenlit the project, they were not aware that the film would be structured as this progressively feel good women's empowerment movie. movie. Initially, they thought it was going to be much more wet t-shirts boobs than it actually turned out to be uh he said the first script for legally blonde was edgy and raunchy in a similar vein to american pie the murder trial wasn't even part of the plot and the film ended with l getting into a relationship with a professor Ugh. that would have been a disaster that sounds like a horrible movie yeah it does it probably would have made money but probably not as much money as this movie made which was a lot yeah so I, I so feel funny. like the stars all aligned for this great role for her and a great film. I, and I think it's really telling about Hollywood that that they only see this as potentially being one kind of movie. You can only tell a story that's exploitive, you know, and if you want to have success. So it's amazing that it even got that once they found out it wasn't going to be, you know, wet T-shirts, it got past that. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm guessing they imagine it would be revenge of the nerds in law school or something yeah i guess he shaped he helped shape um what we ended up getting in legally blonde which is great and he was a young director mm -hmm. so kudos to him um and i told I, I i told you this i think um he is a friend of a former co-worker so uh he's come on the news at k2 to do film segments for us uh he comes on you know talk about the academy awards and he's really great he's such a down to earth guy and just really talented. And he's loaded my dishwasher when I was drunk at my Christmas party. So <laughs> does he live in town? He doesn't anymore. He was in Portland until a couple of years ago, but he went back to LA. He was sort of taking a break from directing in Hollywood and he moved to Portland for a couple of years, but he was great. He did tell us we had horrible lighting in our studio and they still haven't fixed it. So <laughs> don't blame my face. It's the lighting. Robert yeah. Luketic said so. I say that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Don't blame my face. It's your glasses. That's the problem. Your eyeballs. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Reese Witherspoon, Witherspoon, Reese Witherspoon told the Wall Street Journal that women come up to her all the time and tell her they went to law school because of this movie, which I think is fantastic. Wow. That's incredible. I, I studied for the LSAT several times and I couldn't even get through even practicing at home. So good for them. So you really wanted Marissa. to be a lawyer? Um, I think want to be lawyer is, is, is strong. My mom kind of pushed me and there were several points in my journalism career when I was younger where I thought, what else can I do? Maybe yeah. I can be a lawyer. You know, uh, I, I, I can communicate and I'm not afraid of public speaking and blah, blah, blah. And I would, I would practice and, and take like an LSAT you know, online. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing this. This is too much studying. I'm done with college. Yeah. That's how I felt about anything after my undergrad. I was, that was enough school for me. And I like doing what I do and that helped a lot too, but 
Yeah, I don't know. I actually went back to school for a one-year degree in web design right at the end of my news career. So I I could kind of see the writing on the wall. So I had actually started doing this while I was still working. I went to Portland Community College to get a degree in web design. And then when I got, I don't know, my contract wasn't renewed. I went back full-time um, and got a one-year degree in web design. And anyway, it was even at the community college level, it was such a pain in the ass as an adult to do homework. I I just don't yeah. see I'd want to do it in such an intense environment like law school. Yeah, I always thought I would, I might be able to do grad school easily. I mean, that that window is long gone. And my husband is the uh, the pre-law advisor. I don't know if Marissa's done any of this, but it's funny because I can't think of a profession that's more romanticized than a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And there are so many students who think they want to become lawyers. And he's always telling them, do you want to write a lot? Do you want to read a lot and write a lot and sit in an office and just write and read a lot because mm-hmm. you're not going to be in a courtroom, you know, like a few good men and mm-hmm. it's not going to be that dramatic. And a lot of them change their minds because they realize, okay, maybe I don't want to be that scholarly. I don't want to spend that much time doing all of that. Mm-hmm. I don't know what Marissa's experience has been like, but there's a reason Bill is not a an attorney and he's a professor now because he thought it was really hard and could be really like boring. Mm-hmm. And a lot of kids don't realize that. Well, there are different areas of the law for sure. I mean, if you, you know, there are people and I know some of these, I'm sure you do too, who love the research component of the yeah. law, just reading. And, but yeah, I, I do agree that it's a very glamorized it's just, I mean, it's a lot like TV news. You know, you go into it thinking it's one thing, but it's kind of that, but it's not entirely that. So I don't know. I guess that shows the importance of internships before you do these things. Yeah. And I always remind people too, you might think lawyers make a lot of money, but they work the equivalent of two jobs. So split that salary in half, especially when they're young in their twenties, there are a lot of lawyers working more than 80 hours a week. Mm-hmm. So but again, that depends on what career path you want to take. If you want to yeah. be a corporate lawyer, then you're definitely doing that. If you if you go into a big firm, Marissa, my wife was very lucky in that, you know, I had a job so she could kind of, she built her own practice from the ground up. So the first couple of years, she didn't make almost any money and now she's doing fine. But she also, because she has her own practice, doesn't work more than 40 hours a week, most weeks, but still makes a decent living. She's yeah, not she found rich. the right balance. Yeah. Bill hard. was in corporate law and he spent the first couple, he, he, he was only doing it for two years in, in corporate law and he took a buyout because he found himself reading philosophy books in his office. Mm-hmm. And so then he went back to school and, you know, became an academic, but, and, and he teaches constitutional law, which is totally different than the law that he was practicing. It, mm-hmm. It's way more interesting to him, but you're right. It has to be the right kind of law, but there are a lot of kids who just want to be lawyers and yeah. you really have to drill down exactly why and what good kind of, thing it worked for L Woods. Well, I was going to ask, what kind of law do you think L Woods is getting into here? God, I don't know. I mean, it's got to be something where she can go in front of a judge and be sassy. Yeah. She's got to be a trial lawyer. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, I don't see her as I a I don't know what kind, though. Lawyer. You know? Maybe a prosecutor? Yeah, I could see that. She's clever. Trap people. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Hmm. So back to the rundown of the show, I th- <laughs> I think I would recommend this movie to people. I think it's a it's a fun movie. I think that, uh, you know, it's a good one for girls to watch, but I think it's a good one for little boys to watch, too. Exactly. I was just going to say, I think it's great. 
for teenagers. I want my kids to watch this. Yeah, and it's 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 a family friendly ish. It's I was it PG thirteen at most. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think it was good. I, I I liked it. I was surprised, and I and I think you know, kind of in keeping with the theme of the movie, it defies the expectations just like Elle Woods did, and that's the best you can ask for. I think from a silly comedy. Okay, what am I watching next week? Next week, you are going to watch one of my all-time favorite comedies. I think you will like it, but I could see how you might not. It is from the Lonely Island guys. It is called Pop Star Never Stop Never Stopping. It is a mockumentary of a top 40 boy band rapper who breaks up with his uh, his posse and goes solo and then flops colossally. It is hilarious. It's full of cameos. The How come I've never good. heard of this? Where have I been? You know, it was kind of a failure. It was a box office failure. They didn't really promote it. And it is kind of become a cult classic of sorts. It is so unbelievably funny and rewatchable. I've seen it five times now and then only came out like five years ago. The music's really good. You're going to laugh. Okay, what's the name of it? Because that was long. <laughs> Pop star. Never stop. Never stopping. Okay, pop star never stop never stopping. But pop star will probably get it for you. Okay, it's like a it's a hyphen. So I'll text you if I can't figure it out. Okay, and I'll send you. Yeah, I'll send that to you. It, it's great. You're gonna love it. And then okay. I have some subsequent. I have follow up viewings when you're done with that one too of other stuff. Okay. So, All I right. like you know what I like most about about this podcast. It's the same thing I like about DJing. I do a lot of DJing for fun and not for profit. I mostly just like foisting my taste upon other people. Yeah, you're giving me homework. Yeah. I like, I know, Big C, I, I want you to say, oh, I like this. And as a reflection of your good taste, Nick, I think you have value also. It, you know what I'm saying? It's very oh, deep psychological. Right. If I like the movie, I like you and respect you more. Well, I don't know about like me, but you respect me more. And, and you think, okay, this guy's smart. This guy's got good taste. And it, I don't know where, where in me that has come from, but I, it started in high school. I think you do have good taste. Um, in for films and uh, just pop culture in general, too, which is why I'm doing this podcast. I mean, I'm not going to sit here with any asshole. Sure. Thank you. <laughs> just this asshole. <laughs> just this. You're oh. my favorite one. Oh, thank you. That's very kind of you. Um, I think you're going to like this. And I will eat my hat if you don't. I don't have a hat on today, but. Uh, so we will uh, see you next week. If you want to uh, comment on the films we're watching, make sure you follow us on Twitter. And uh, we got our first comment on our Anchor FM platform this week. Really? Someone, I didn't even see it. It was on Ordinary People. It somebody Somebody thought it was an interesting discussion of a controversial or of a difficult topic. And they wanted to know all about your cousin, Bo Jesse, which they found out, I'm sure, by listening to the point break podcast this week still waiting for you bo jesse fingers crossed film swap is produced and hosted by angelica thornton and nick Vole. you can watch or listen on youtube spotify anchor apple podcasts and google podcasts follow angelica on twitter at angelica k-a-t-u and follow nick at nick Vole. share your thoughts on the films we discussed there and we might just read them on the show music by john michael farley and nick Vole.